Entrepreneur, author, and financial consultant Mark Bernstein helps high-performing entrepreneurial business owners create a vision for the future and follow through on their goals and intentions. Ange Honorato is a business growth strategist who blends psychology and business together to create conscious leaders and business owners who impact the world. Founders Forum is a radio show podcast sharing the real stories behind entrepreneurship as founders discover more about themselves while providing valuable lessons and some fun and entertainment for you. Now, here's Mark and Ange. Good morning, Arlo. Good morning, America. It's a beautiful day in Philadelphia today. Welcome to Founders Forum. And, uh, you know, I'm going to reverse what I, what I said in our prep. I'm going to go right into introducing Layla and get her involved in the conversation right away. So our guest today, we have a little theme around this, is Layla Mitchell, who came down from Boston to be on our show in suburban Philadelphia. And Layla has over 30 years of design and academic experience, and she's the founder and creative director of LLM Design out of Boston. And um, she's worn many different hats, including architect, graphic designer, brand and marketing strategist, business owner, and professor. She's an expert at communicating identity and information to shape experiences that connect people to place. And as founder of creative director of LLM Design, she's consistently challenging her team and students to articulate the value of thoughtful design to to deliver um, successful solutions. And because of my music bent, I have to tell you that she also is a singer and cowbell player the Lazy Susans, and we'll get into that. And prior to that, her experience was karaoke queen, so I just had to say that. Good morning, Layla. Good morning. Hey, um, so the Boston-Philadelphia, I was thinking about this. There's a lot of connections between Boston and Philadelphia. Some competitive, they're the ones we think of, especially in sports. Some cooperative. Um, but I, the competition I was thinking about, I think, was set up by a forefather of both of our cities, which is Ben Franklin, who, I don't know if you know, you've spent some time in Philadelphia, but his name's all over the place. The Franklin Institute, the Franklin Pavilion, the Franklin Field used to be the Eagle Stadium, um, the University of Pennsylvania, which has been in the news a lot, not all for good reasons lately, but uh, he's founder of the University of Pennsylvania, founder of the U.S. Post Office in Philadelphia, I mean, everything. So, But he also spent a lot of his time, I think more or less equal time, in Boston, and he endowed money um, to both cities at his death and both of them still have the Franklin Foundation money going, except Boston has many times the amount of money that Philadelphia has because I've read articles and dug into it a little bit. They've been a lot smarter with the money. So kudos to Boston on that. Um, kudos to the Eagles beating the Patriots last time they met in the <laughs> Super Bowl. Um, but had to uh, throw that in there, of course. <laughs> yeah, we, can't, we can't let that slide. Right, that would right. do a disservice to Philly. But that was after <laughs> after we were beaten before, and you know, lots happened since then. So, so we'll see what happens with all that. But great sports town. I rooted for the Red Sox the first time they won the World Series. I feel like everybody did. Yeah, yeah. yeah kind of had yeah. to like that. So, so you're a Boston sports fan, obviously. I've been there for about 22 years, and. Um, I think, you know, we always talk about how my three kids have never really struggled in the right. ways that many uh, Bostonians have in the past over the last 20 years. We've had some pretty good results, whether it's basketball, hockey, baseball or football. So I think now um, 
the Patriots are sort of showing a little bit of discomfort. And so I think that's a good thing. <laughs> so that's a that's mild a way thing, to right? put it. Yeah. It's about time they <laughs> Two did. Two and nine or whatever. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Been there, done that. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> welcome to well, our pain. Well, welcome to Philadelphia. Yeah. Although we, we, I was thinking about it, as you said, it, my kids have had a pretty good experience too. Mm-hmm. At least a Super Bowl championship and a World Series championship and a lot of contending, disappointing contending um uh, seasons. Yes. But, th- thank you for uh, having me down here. I have to give a shout out to my Uber driver, Letitia, oh, cool. in the gray Kia. She was so sweet. Um, gave me a really great uh, education on the cheese steak, which I actually unfortunately called in the car at steak and cheese. Oh, very Ooh. not supposed oh, yeah. to say that. Um, yeah. She also talked to me about, you know, how it should be served and where to go. And I think it's the SPK, the salt, pepper, ketchup. And it also has mayonnaise. That's right, and onions, mm. <laughs> or, or, or just say, or whiz wit. Mm. Right? Depends. Yeah, just, yeah, depends. It depends. Where you're okay, yeah. okay. Um, so very, you know, I've only been here less than twenty four hours, and just extremely friendly, friendly town. Everybody that I've met. You did go to Gino's. I saw. On, I did like, go to Gino's, which I heard is a little touristy, I suppose. And there's some underground places to go versus mm. versus the tourists. Well, but you can get the T-shirt, Pat or Gino's. Yeah. After the show, I'll give you some other names. Yeah. 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 No, it was it was great. It was fantastic. And um, you know, cousin from from up in Boston, we're you know we've come down and uh, welcomed ourselves down here. Very nice. So your cousin came with you. No. Oh, 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 you have a cousin. <laughs> no, I'm repeating a uh, the the I'm repeating the the beer commercial. Oh, 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 where it's your okay. cousin from oh, Boston. Oh, right, 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 yeah, right, that, right. That's how we know everybody yeah. knows got that. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it, got it. We're also talking about music out of Boston and Philly, and both are, both are very illustrious music cities, but don't have as many big names as as you would think. But um, we're over the last thirty years, I guess the Hooters may be the biggest band. Mm-hmm. But artists, we've had Taylor Swift, who's from superb, suburban Philadelphia, who might arguably be the art, biggest artist in the world right now. Yes. And um, and uh, also Pink, who is Angie's favorite, right? Yeah, so, shout out to my girl, Alicia. From yeah. Doylestown, Pennsylvania, yeah. So, um, and then you have, you've had the Cars, you've had Boston, you've had... Yeah, a uh, lot of really great underground 80s bands Aerosmith, coming out of forget, yeah, yeah, coming out of the the club scene in yep. Cambridge and yep. and Boston, Arlington and so forth. And of course Berkeley College of Music has some great grads. Yep. That that was that was I actually Lee Berkeley and I I, I was a music major and I when in law school I wrote a book on copyright law and I wanted to go to Berkeley. I never made it there, but I actually had conversations with him about copyright law and wrote a paper, and he reviewed it for me. And so I was fortunate to know him a little bit over the phone, at least at that point, anyway. So pretty cool. It's a great, great, great music school. So um, tell us about your journey from, I know you grew up in Virginia, um, to where you are today. It's a loaded question, but uh, it I mean, is a loaded lot question, but I, I love talking about it. I think one of the things that I've um, grown into comfortability is my identity and sort of where I've come from and, and where I want to go. And I, um, and Angie, I, I love your water bottle. I want to sort of awaken the artist within is what it says in the water bottle. And I think that's kind of where, like, it was a great motto to have and to sort of think about yourself as a creative person. Um, so it kind of all starts in rural Virginia as a young Layla Lee, <laughs> not Mitchell. Mitchell's my married name. Um, and, you know, I know this is a radio show and you're not really looking at me, but I am of mixed race. And growing up in the 80s in rural Virginia, 
Um, there were definitely groups that, you know, you try to figure like, where do I belong? Um, I was lucky enough to be the type of person that uh, that moved around or traveled between all the different groups. I was very comfortable, whether it was the, you know, the jocks, the athletes, the smart kids, um, you know, it, the, the white kids, the black kids, the, the Asian kids. I, I was very comfortable in kind of moving around to those spaces and and gathering characteristics of building myself within those. But as a daughter of Chinese Jamaican parents, the question of what do you want to do when you grow up was pretty straightforward, doctor, lawyer, engineer. And so those paths were kind of set out, you know, academically, how do you, what do you need to do to get there? Um, and so I followed suit. In undergrad, I went to the University of Virginia, fantastic experience. Um, I right away went into architecture. I didn't, I didn't feel like there was room for discovery. I needed to make my path as it was created from when I was younger, from my parents and my culture. Um, and architecture was, was a safe label. Um, amazing experience there. I really began to let my artists awaken, as your water bottle says. Um, and, you know, working right out of school in architecture, I had to, and I, this is one of the pieces of advice that I give a lot of young designers or a lot of young professionals, take a look at the people you're working with in the industry where you start in. Um, look at the principals, look at the owners. Is that where you want to be? Is that how you want to live? And it could be, but you really need to evaluate um, what is it that makes you tick and is this the right path for you? So that started my lifelong journey of learning. I really sort of said, even though I have this degree in my hand, I'm not done. And actually, it's just the beginning. So I started really thinking about what are all the different um, things that I don't know, you know, about design. I started uh, taking class that was happened to be living in Baltimore at the time, taking classes at Johns Hopkins, marketing, business, engineering, taking classes um, in even watercolor, you know, trying to sort of figure out what, are, what is it that I like. And I began to um, build up my identity as a designer to kind of say, it's not the label that's defining me, but what I like to do is creating the label. Um, and so fast forward going into graduate school, I moved to Boston. I went to a wonderful school, Massachusetts College of Art and Design, um, and that graduate program allowed me to really uncover um, so many different ways that interdisciplinary design can be shaped into other forms of what I want to do. And so that was kind of like the background. It's then projected onto what LLM design has come become, which is really an interdisciplinary creative studio. Mm. Who, who are your typical clients and what kind of work does LLM design? do for them? So, sure. So as a creative studio, we really think about design strategy as a process. Um, we, we look to focus on human-centered design and try to figure first and foremost, by looking at the challenges that the clients are facing, what's the real problem? And that's kind of the uncovering uh, discovery part of the process. And then we create creatively a, a path in which the um, solution can be the right one for them. So it breaks down in a lot of different things. I kind of go back to that architecture piece of the puzzle here where we call it placemaking. 
we do placemaking both in the physical sense as well as in the mental sense. In the physical sense, it can translate into, you know, developing brand in place. What are the interiors of a space feel like? What is that retail space like? What is the ta- what are the tangible elements of a of a marketing campaign, brochure, website, you know, all of these tangible elements that we can physically touch and feel. The intangible or the mental place resides within our mind. Um, what is the story that we're building? What are the operational systems? What is the um, the 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 community culture campaign that we need to create? So those might be the end solutions, but it's always kind of the same design strategy process that begins with discovery and understanding, taking into account human empathy. And then delivering a solution. So the types, going back to your question, the types of clients that I've worked with, I've worked with everyone um, in commercial real estate, um, trying to understand what to do with this space, how to build for, you know, a better client, what the clients are, what the tenants are looking for, all the way to entities like the YMCA of Greater Boston um, or a community health center, you know, thinking about what is the experience that our patients really want to have as they're walking in the front door? What is it um, like for a non-English speaking mother of a baby who's sick and they need help? Can they get the help that they need quickly? And how does that feel as a community center? So those are the kinds of things that we like to dig into. You know, what I love about what you're describing is you talked about in your own life when you were younger, you didn't you felt like your path was kind of carved out, so to speak. So I love the way that you're bringing this into your work today where you're purposely taking your clients on a journey for them to determine what is the right path and kind of carve that out. And after the break, we'll talk a little bit about Awaken the Artist Within because it's related, I think, a lot to how you incorporate your culture and creativity. But I just wanted to point out, is that kind of a conscious thing for yourself that you feel like when you're meeting with clients that you can draw upon some of that sort of past experience and really bring that experience first to the client and then obviously their end product. Yes. I think going in with the conviction and belief that better solutions are made through that discovery is, 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 has been my successful way of dealing with clients, not coming in with the prescribed solution. Unfortunately, many clients come to you and sort of say, we want X, Y, and Z. Can you just make this thing for us? And I have to back it, back it up way back and say, why is it that you want this? What is it actually is the real challenge of what you're trying to do? And, you know, in layman's terms, that might not have been a brochure. That actually maybe was a kiosk that is in a public facing area and an event and not necessarily this printed piece that you thought you had to have. So, again, yeah, it's backing it up a little bit and saying, like, you know, let's not create that prescribed path that your competitors have. Let's create something completely different and, but, and something at the core of what's needed. But it really starts with what are you about, meaning the customer, yeah. what, are you, what message are you trying to get across, and then you have to start figuring out who is your audience, I'm sure, and how do you get that message across the best way. And the media, as you say, might end up being completely different than what they right. originally imagined. That's right. So there's a lot of parallels to what I do with what I call fiscal therapy with financial planning and with what Ange does. So in a way, we're all doing some amount. We don't hold ourselves out this way, and I don't pretend to be this, but we're. it's kind of like life coaching to a certain yeah. extent. It's be, be helping people become in alignment with who they are and what they want. 
and having the tools in our specific industries and trades to help them get there. Right, right. right. And and the one thing that I see that connection is we all want to collaborate. We all want to connect with other human beings. And I think the best way to do that is to understand the empathy, to understand who it is we're talking to, who that customer is, what their beliefs are, what's important to them, um, and then begin to communicate with them in a way that is is special. Yeah, I think it's really important to, um, as Mark said, in all of our businesses, what I try to do for people is say, you're not just here to buy something. We're designed to help them go on a transformational journey. Oh, I love that. Yes. Right? Whether yeah. it's a product or a space or, you know, whatever. That I think experience. That's, that's the most important piece. Yeah. 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 So this is a real great time. We're trying to get TJ's attention to take a quick one-minute break for our commercial. We've covered a lot of ground, and we're going to cover a lot more, I can tell, on the remaining time that we have. Establishing a self-directed Roth IRA or other self-directed retirement plan offers access to investment options usually only available to well-connected or wealthy individuals. Anyone can build wealth and achieve tax-free income for life and financial freedom without the inordinate risk of speculative investing, securities trading, exotic financial instruments, or hoping for the best from the stock market. Since their start in 2003, CAMA Plan has come to be synonymous with expertise, flexibility, responsiveness, and diversity in investment choices. They provide innovative investment opportunities for investors seeking direct control and more choices in how they deploy their investment capital. CAMA Plan doesn't just make it possible to invest in alternative assets, they also teach investors how to put their money to work. Take the road to financial freedom today. Go to camaplan.com slash so we are back on Founders Forum, and we have a lot to cover, so let's get right into it. So, Layla, I appreciate your story. is a great story of how you got there, how you've gotten there. Um, I, um, I have a couple different things I want to ask you, but one is, in terms of building your business and your vision for your business, what kind of obstacles did you face, and what did you use to overcome them? Yeah. So, I mean, again, I talked a little bit about that prescribed pathway that, you know, what is the right way to start a business? What's the right way to make money? You know, and and so struggling with that and also being a very highly creative person um, and design uh, individual, you know, you struggle with um, how do we make that money? And at the same time, how do you make something meaningful? Um, and so that, that has been a constant, uh, battle for me as an hundred percent owner, not really having that, um, that partner to kind of, to, well, what partner inside of me, I guess, but partner to sort of say, these are, this is the trajectory we need to go. This is sort of the operations that needs to happen to make money fiscally, um, in terms of the the product itself, you know, I think that we're really happy with what we've done. We've, you know, done some amazing work. But the struggle has always been, you know, getting those clients that really find meaning in what we do and making money at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And and what have you done to address that aspect, though, those two aspects? Um, I You know, I, I reach out to a lot of networked people that have run businesses that um, do this for, do a little bit more of a, of a adjustment of operations. 
um, under, have them really lift the lid up, you know, not being too protective of being extremely transparent. Um, and so that they can kind of see where I struggle, what I can do. They lay out opportunities for me. They help me understand, you know, we might need to cut here in order to grow here. Um, so it's really reaching out and making sure that you, you have a network of individuals, um, of professionals to help you lead through there. So that, that's really how I, I, uh, drive my path. So external mentorship to a certain extent. Yeah. Right. So I, I can't move on to the future until we talk about one other thing, which I'll respectfully call your side hustle, which is, <laughs> which is your band, The Lazy Susans. So this is a great story. Tell us quickly how The Lazy Susans came about. Um, so I am a transplant to Boston um, and starting a family there without any other uh, uh, blood-related family is, is hard to do. And so, you know, living in a small town of Milton right outside of Boston – I quickly gathered um, my own tribe, I guess, if you will. And so there were five of us, five families, um, five women, five uh, husbands, uh, 10 kids uh, uh, between all of us. And um, we would always get together on Friday nights, really support each other and everything up, down, um, hardships. But on Friday nights, we would always get together for pizza and we would always have music around. That was something that always happened. A lot of the fathers and then eventually kids played music, played in um, bands, were in plays. And inevitably, the moms were in the kitchen and, you know, cleaning up or just talking about life. And then during COVID, time opened up where we didn't have to run around and take kids to soccer practice or um, go to PTO meetings and so forth. And we said, let's have a, we should start a band, you know, because <laughs> we sang karaoke, things like that. And we would get on some of the drums. And so it, the five of us are are pretty high stake individuals and we like to challenge ourselves. And so three out of five of us have never had any musical lessons. So for us to say, let's start a band all of a sudden <laughs> was a huge uh, challenge in itself. Um but we started this band. We each kind of took up our own instruments. We decided to rotate. And so I kind of came up with the identity of the Lazy Susans because it's that thing that sits right. on your table and rotates. We happen to be sitting around a kitchen table as well. It's all related. It's all related in the experience. Um, and so three years ago, we decided to play at a local porch fest in Milton. And we learned seven songs. We focused and we did it, and we had a great crowd. And um, in short order, you ended yeah. up on national television. Yeah, it, exactly. In the in the past three years, we've been able to tell our story in a number of different ways. Whether that was on a Kelly Clarkson show, or whether that was on um, that's where I became your first fan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, saw that, or just a radio show, and it's been it's been surreal. <laughs> it's, it's been pretty cool. It's an amazing journey, and and there's possibly a film in the works if we're allowed. To there talk about is. That. We actually um, are on a um, a path of a potential film happening. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> it's it's wild. Tapping Which is into wild. the inner yeah. child creativity. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think you're tap. It's I, I. My observation, just from hearing the stories and seeing the little bit on Kelly Clarkson and all that, is that you are not the but a driving force in the band. And I think your creative impulse and being open to the artist within might have something to do with that. So, yeah, yeah, it's um, it, luckily, you know, being in a collaborative effort like that, it's the recognition. And this is something that I tell my students or young designers or anyone who's sort of asking for advice is the most important thing is not only to recognize what you're great at, but what you're not great at. 
that is that is very very important and so once you figure that out and you come to terms with that gather people around you that fill that hole and i think the five of us or any team that i'm on really kind of creates um a mesh network of a, a really strong uh, sum of all of our parts. And I think mm. that helps in Lazy Susans as well. That's wonderful. So we don't have a lot of time left. I told you it was going to go I really know, fast. I but I do want to ask you about uh, your three-year vision. If, you, if this were 2026, you're looking back on the last three years, what would have to happen for you to feel that that was a great time in your life through whatever, whatever categories of life you want to discuss? What would yeah. that look like? Um, so... I'm entering into my 10-year, I can't believe it, at, at LLM Design. And I think it's a, a ripe moment of kind of thinking about, you know, how I'm transforming the ship that I'm on. You know, what is my next, where do I navigate in my next path? Um, how am I building it? What my team is going to be? So in three years, um, I, I think that we're going to dive a little bit more into heavier design strategy, a little bit more of those soft design solutions um, I very much want to tackle some heavier subject matters like <laughs> redesigning higher ed in, as an institution or really thinking about, you know, healthcare as a service. And so, you know, wow. working with clients like that is something that I, that I seek to really make a difference in what I do. Um, and so I, I, I think that's where I see myself in terms of success. I always think about um, how do I want to feel? when I wake up in the morning and is it something that I still want to be doing? Am I excited about it? Am I proud of it? Um, and so for, for me, that's where I want, I want to be, feel really good. Yeah. And before we wrap up, I know we've got just another minute and a half left, but I just want to make reference of the Awaken the Artist Within, which you pointed out because your entire story, this is a movement and a business I'm part of that we do retreats and masterminds and teach people to tap into that inner creativity as a child, right? And being able to express that. So I love your entire story as the embodiment of that. And last quick question, if you look back, what would you say to your younger self if you say, you know, follow that gift, follow your art inside? I think one of the things that the, this next generation coming up, I've noticed that they don't have is this idea of risk and resilience. Uh, mm. Risk is something that is super scary. If we're constantly, we don't know how to fail, we don't know how to take it. And I think that that is so much more important than getting the winning rib ribbon is taking that risk. And so that builds up the resilience that builds up the like fire inside of you to keep going. So I, I would say that's what I would keep telling my younger self. I love it. Fail forward, basically. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been incredible. I think it's another one we should have. We need a double, a, 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 a part two. Cause we, we do have 30 seconds. Your legacy. Tell us about your legacy. We have 30 seconds. The legacy, what I, what I love is when students, especially, you know, young female designers or um, people that I've mentored or even people that I've worked with come up to me and say, I remember something you said to me and it's made me inspired. Um, I remember working with you and the experience was um, really opened my eyes to something completely different. So that's, that's what I would like. I don't need a product out there. I don't need an amazing award-winning uh, design. I would rather have a feeling reside in the people that I've touched. Layla Lee Mitchell, it's been a pleasure to have you here today. It's really been an enjoyable yes, and please experience. please come back. Loved yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. Let us know next time you're in Philly. We'll do it steaks. again. <laughs> yeah. We'll give you a list. 
Well, that's it for today on Founders Forum. Thanks so much for being here, Layla. Thank you for being here, Ange. Thank you all for listening and have a wonderful day.